Thank you for joining Auto Network Reports. I'm your host, Roosevelt, and we have a full house today. Mr. Greg Morrison, Bumper to Bumper TV in Atlanta. Dawn, sassy chick, hanging out somewhere in Florida, I guess. And we have coast, we have bi-coastal Mr. David Bolt. Sometimes he stops out in Texas, TexGarage.com. And our special guest today is Mr. Irwin Raphael, hanging out now in somewhere in what south tennessee someplace i think he said i'm in nashville in nashville as always you can find us on blackpressusa.com we provide all the automotive content for that digital site which represents about 230 african-american newspapers across the country we are also where facebook now we always ask that you subscribe to uh, follow or love or send some handshakes, whatever they do out in social media for the other, other panelists that are on the show. And I have to get this in. We were talking about it in the, in the green room. Dave brought it up, so I can't forget to say it. That's if you know an African-American male that's 30 years or older, <laughs> please make sure he visits his urologist and get that PSA exam. It's that little prick that could possibly save his life and I think I mentioned it a couple of shows ago. I probably sh- probably should just say m- men in general because white folk now, white men are getting prostate cancer look like just as fast as we are. And it's taking people out. And it's something that is preventable. But anyway, I always say this is not a medical show in case you just tuned in. <laughs> we will get into a recall today. We have one big recall, Volkswagen and Audi recalling 261,000 vehicles. You like this, Dave. A suction jet pump seal inside the fuel tank may malfunction, whatever that is. But anyway, that's when you go to nitsa.gov, enter your 17-digit VIN number to see if your Audi or Volkswagen is under recall. If it is, call your local dealer. I always say be nice make that appointment and get that recall taken care of. As I mentioned, we have a special guest today, but before I get into um, speaking with Erwin, who I've been looking forward to, it's been a while, I have something I want to show you. He, he, he may appreciate this. I don't know, but we'll, we'll give it a shot, see if I can get it to run. Recognize this. Okay. The seat this of that is Roosevelt car. with Auto Network, and we're here in Vancouver, British Columbia with Genesis. And my very, very special guest and now personal friend, Herman <laughs> Raphael, is here. He is the general manager of the brand new Genesis brand. Irwin, I am glad to be here. Thanks for taking the time. I appreciate it. Thank you. I am glad to be here. This is a huge opportunity, as you know. I want to know. How many times did your heart skip a beat when they said you got the job? (laughs) (laughs) One really big time. (laughs) Because this is a huge opportunity, and I'm so excited. And how broad are your shoulders now that you have to carry all the weight? (laughs) They need to be pretty broad, don't they? That's cool. That's going back a bit in the way back machine. (laughs) Yeah, that was back in 2016 in Vancouver. I I still have that. (laughs) Excellent. 
Erwin, bring us up to speed. Tell us, well, let's go back in time, stay back in time. Tell us a little bit about your experience in the auto industry. What, what's been going on? Well, my experience in the auto industry spans almost three decades, believe it or not. Uh, I started my career very early with a truck manufacturer. You might have seen international truck brands on the road. That's really where I started. And I've worked uh, with Toyota and then the Chrysler brands through all of its iterations, Daimler, Chrysler, Fiat, Chrysler, Chrysler, now Stellantis, uh, and, uh, and then uh, on to Hyundai. And I had the, the honor and really a great uh, challenge of uh, launching the Genesis brand in the Americas and getting them off and uh, on the road for the first uh, five years of the brand. So that was very exciting for me. I've since left the direct automotive space and I joined uh, a, an online uh, retailer. You may have heard of them. It's Amazon and we're doing some great things here. But today we're talking about cars, which is my favorite topic in the whole world. Now, I remember sitting in that Genesis in the backseat. We had little audio problems, <laughs> but that didn't stop us from holding, having a conversation. And I also caught you on another event with, was it Manfred? Is his name Manfred Fitzgerald? Manfred Fitzgerald. Who was also a brother there. So back in the day when Genesis started, you guys, we were all black at the top. Yeah, it was a really interesting, it was an interesting time for me. Manfred and I were brought into the brand at roughly the same time. We didn't know each other. Uh, uh, Manfred is an African-American, although he was born in a military base in Germany and spent a lot of his time uh, in Europe. He was the global head of the brand. Uh, I was the uh, chief operating officer and responsible for the brand in the Americas. And it was really cool because we can talk uh, culture, uh, we can talk about how we land, how we connect with all kinds of people and really not have uh, any translation issues or concern. It was a great opportunity to be ourselves, create what we wanted to create. And might I say, it was very successful for both of us and for the brand. One other quick question before I turn you loose, turn these other uh, folk loose on you. When you were appointed general manager, did you have any idea of how successful Genesis would be? No, I would say that no, nobody would have. I, I knew what I wanted. I knew what I envisioned. And to be quite frank, Genesis even exceeded that. When you imagine being told we want to launch a new luxury brand, a luxury division in America, we have nothing. We have no we really don't even have a name. We have no brand. We have no company. We have no product. You're the lead. Uh, help us put this together. That's a pretty big ask. Uh, fortunately, I was surrounded with some fantastic people uh, from top to bottom, from design and engineering, uh, manufacturing, sales, marketing. And we were able to bring this uh, brand to life. It was an absolutely amazing experience. And for me, seeing customers and hearing customers point out little details that we really struggled over and fought over and spent a lot of time to have them come to life. And then to hear customers point out those details and talk about how much they appreciate it was really uh, rewarding. Great. 
Questions, folks? Well, my question, first of all, I'm thrilled to see that you're with Amazon. Uh, Amazon announced a deal recently where they're going to be selling Hyundai vehicles online. As somebody who's been on that side of the conversation, on the manuf- on the OEM side, is this a radical departure? Is this something you saw coming five, ten years earlier? I would say from the OEM side, it, it, it was a bit of a radical departure. Uh, if you were an industry insider and a bit of a futurist, it would be less a shock. I, I see this type of transition uh, in the future, and I think it's good. I think it's good for the OEMs. I, I actually think it's good for the dealers, whether or not they recognize it at the time, and I think it's great for the customers. So I, I think moving to uh, online marketplaces where customers can stay at home, shop uh, for different vehicles, get the, the vehicle they want at the price they expected, know that it's a competitively priced, and know that they can still get their vehicle service around the corner is very powerful. And I think that's going to not only continue to grow, but I really don't see it going back. Do you see <clears throat> any pushback, especially from the dealer body, because they're used to folks coming in the door, wanting to kick the tires and so forth. And now someone can sit at home, like I'm sitting on my back deck right now, I could basically order a car online. Uh, whereas going to the dealership used to be an all day affair, just looking at something. I mean, that's an interesting dynamic that I see changing. Yeah, for sure. When, when, when this was announced and I had a little bit of a heads up uh, to it, but once it was announced, I must have gotten 30, 35 calls from dealers across America that day uh, sharing uh, their concerns. And, and they're still concerned because I, I think they just don't understand how it can benefit them. Uh, yes, there's going to be uh, continued pushback. Whenever there's radical change, there's a natural inertia, if you will, to move in the direction of that change. But the sooner dealers get on board and realize hey, this is incremental uh, volume, they're bringing in customers they may or may not have had before. They have an opportunity to curate a relationship, a long-term relationship uh, with those customers. And most importantly, save the customers a time and aggravation. My, my dealer friends, and I love them. I, they still don't realize that most people don't really love going into dealerships. For some of us car folks, it's good to go meddle around and check out cars, but most people don't really love needing to do that. Uh, and this gives them an opportunity to go into dealerships when they want to, when they want to touch and feel and, and, and really just explore. You can still do that, but if you don't want to do that because you know the car, you know what you want, you know the colors, you just want to hit a button, we bring incredible uh, efficiencies to that customer, which means to that business as well. Because if you don't offer that, some other dealer will. Erwin, I'm curious, given uh, how often my wife orders from Amazon, I'm, I'm finding it surprising that we're just now meeting. I would have thought I'd have seen you previously. But, uh, but with that, I'm curious, as Genesis was being formed, uh, you had a few business cases that you could reference Acura to a certain extent in the mid 80s, and then more significantly, Toyota with its Lexus brand and Infinity with the, or Nissan with the Infinity division. And uh, you've got two hits and a miss in those three stories. And I'm just wondering how much would you have referenced their business histories in establishing your own? 
not only did we reference those three, which we did, it's good to research those who came before so you understand what hurdles they had to overcome and how they did so. But don't forget, uh, Audi was a relatively new uh, luxury brand in America not that long uh, before that. Uh, uh, we've seen the growth and the decline and the resurgence and the decline again of brands like Cadillac and Lincoln. So the whole concept of having premium vehicles sold in America, there have been a number of hits and misses. And I would like to say that the hit or miss is multidimensional. It really depends on how you measure it. If you focus just on volume, uh, you will have one story. If you focus on the, 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 the total revenue or the profitability of the brand, you have another. If you have how much the customers love uh, that product and that brand, it's somewhat tied to their willingness to, to pay a premium for it. That's, that's yet another. There's reliability. There are lots of different ways of measuring hits and misses. One of the ones we did consider was the dealer profitability and what makes the dealers uh, successful and then what makes the customers happy, not only with the vehicle, but the entire uh, customer journey from the time they begin researching the vehicle and the brand to the acquisition. And, you know, the acquisition, as painful as it is, let's say worst case is going to take four or five hours. And that's a that's a very bad case. But then you own the vehicle for two or three or four or five or more years. And so the amount of uh, time you have to interact with that customer when they own the car is super critical and, and can help turn that one-time customer into a customer for life. So we did look at, at the entire uh, spectrum and and landed on the way we rolled out uh, the Genesis brand. And the customers, the Genesis customers absolutely love it. I'm no longer an employee of the company. Uh, I drive two. I have one. My wife has one. And quite frankly, I've been looking at lots of cars and I can drive any car I want to. I still drive Genesis cars and I suspect my next car will be a Genesis. Do you, do you have any thoughts having looked at these histories, how it is that Lexus was such a home run for Toyota and 35 years later, some would argue that Infinity hasn't even gotten to first base. Any thoughts? Yeah, I, I, I do have lots of thoughts. That I think it really boils down to the commitment of the parent company to that brand and the overall experience. I don't have specific numbers. If I did, I wouldn't share them on the, the whole profitability model and what Toyota was willing to put into Lexus to make it work. But I can tell you a lot of the decisions they made were long-term decisions that companies that are uh, nearsighted may not have, have made. Uh, and some of the other brands uh, were more focused on, on the short term. And, as you can see, taking care of the customer and taking a long-term uh, perspective is really the gift that keeps on giving. And Toyota continues to benefit not only from the Lexus brand, but if I'm in the on the board of Toyota, I'm not only looking at how many Lexus I sold and how successful that brand is, I'm also looking at the impact that a successful Lexus brand has on Toyota. So the Toyota customers, uh, Toyota dealers can now show the Toyota customers how their cars have a lot of the features and the engineering and the research that went into Lexus, and that gives the entire uh, Toyota brand a lift. And I'm not sure that uh, I'll just pick on Infinity uh, would have done the same thing or, or, or taken the same approach. Thank you.
I have a question. Um, going back to the whole Amazon thing and Hyundai, you know, Southern, Southern Hyundai is um, on Amazon. How would you convince like the traditional buyer to take that step to actually go online or Amazon to purchase a vehicle? Because I know some of like my traditional readers or whatever, when that whole thing came out, they was like, oh my God, I would never do that. And I was just wondering what were some of the like measures or whatever you would take to convince them to go on to actually do that? So I'm going to step out of, of my official capacity to answer this question. And I'm going to say, I can't speak on behalf of, of Amazon and I don't have uh, the ability to talk to the details of, of, of the, the, the tie up there. But what I will say is if I'm putting myself in a dealer shoe or an OEM shoe, or I'm talking to yeah. friends and colleagues, I would say, listen, you're still going to get the car at a dealership, right? The Amazon truck doesn't drive around and drop a car off for you. So you still have to get the car at a dealership. You're still going to be able to test drive the car, make sure it's the car that you want. What you save is the absolute torment of sitting in a dealership for two or three or four hours and then sitting uh, in purgatory, waiting to go into F&I, then go into F&I, spend another hour or two with people trying to sell you things that you may or may not believe you need. You can select and pick what you need yourself and simply go to the dealership. And at that point, all you're doing is validating that the car you selected is what you want, that the colors actually match what it looked like on the computer uh, and that the vehicle does ride and feel uh, the way uh, you expected. And you're done. You take your car and, and go home. So you can shortcut uh, a lot of that time if if you love sitting in dealerships and you love spending four or five or six hours in a dealership, by all means, go directly in, into a dealership. And there are people who like that. I'll be honest with you. When I was much younger in college and when I had recently graduated, for me, going to dealership was like people go to the mall. I went to dealerships. I test drove cars. I had no business test driving because I couldn't afford them anyway. But I just loved cars. And so there are people who want to do that. And that's okay. Or if you want to talk to a sales rep and understand nuances, maybe hear the stereo or see what things, you can sit in a dealership all day. I think the beauty there for the customer is, in, the, in that case, the customer is doing exactly what they want to do with their time. I think that's super important. I don't mind sitting yeah, in a dealership. Yeah, I know my, my, um, my neighbor, he was like, oh, I love going into the dealership. I was like, really? Yeah. <laughs> So. There are people who, who do that, and for them, that's great. But I, th I think the important thing is the customer's doing what they want to do. For the customer who would prefer to be somewhere else doing something else, and they're like, oh, my God, if I wait another 30 minutes, I'll poke myself in the eye. Well, that person doesn't want to go through that process. So all we're doing is offering customers options as the business transitions. Thank you. Now, Urban, when you were putting together the Genesis brand and when you started, you were sharing the, the space with Hyundai. Did you all ever consider that having a luxury brand is not the place to be in the showroom with Hyundai's? Well, not only did we consider, we were very well aware of that. That's That's not a secret at all. The issue became... Do we want to wait four or five or six years so we can, in fact, build showrooms and have uh, the, the right physical presence before bringing the product to market? And we said no. So the companies decided 
to launch the brand within a, a Hyundai showroom, a bit of a showroom within a showroom. So there's a little section of the of the Hyundai showroom that was dedicated to Genesis, all along with the plan of having standalone uh, a Genesis dealers, which today exist. There, there are few, there are many more uh, being built. I think they're up to close to 20 uh, right now nationally, which, which sounds like a small number, but for where the brand is, I maintain when I was leading the brand, I still believe it's true, the right number of dealers in America to make this brand successful, to allow the dealers to be profitable and to deliver the experience customers want is about 100. So you can say they're 20 percent there a lot more to come i don't have intel on to you know when they plan on, on on getting there and how but i i think given all of the inputs this was the right decision at the time but it doesn't take away from the fact that you're right going to shop for a phenomenal uh a premium car a luxury car in a hyundai dealership was not uh the optimal experience for the customer we just thought it was better than them not having access to the car at all I'm sure you're aware of this. There was a bump in the road um, maybe a year or two ago with the Hyundai dealers and the Genesis brand when the dealers, as you know, they're interested in the bottom line. Can I make money? I guess initially they didn't think that they could make money with the Genesis. And all of a sudden, when, when Genesis got serious about standalone, they said, oh, no, 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 you can't break away. <laughs> you have to stay here. <laughs> And it, it caused the Genesis brand, I think, to suffer a little bit. Yeah, I, I wasn't as close to the details then, because as you know, by that time, I, I, I had left the, the company. The reality is there's never been a debate about whether or not dealers can make, could make money on a Genesis brand. The question has been, can they make enough money to justify building an entire building to house the Genesis brand and the Genesis uh, showroom. Additionally, having dedicated uh, sales uh, people who would sell only Genesis. And the fundamental issue there had to do with volume. If, if you're selling Genesis and you're making, I'll just make up a crazy number. You make $10,000 a car. If you're only selling three a month or four a month, you just can't support a, a standalone showroom. You still have to sell enough to cover the fixed costs and, oh, by the way, to pay your great uh, sales representative who maybe was used to selling 20 or 30 uh, cars, even if they only made you know a small amount in each one, by volume, they're making a lot more money. So what had to happen and what still needs to happen is reduce the number of dealer points so you get more volume going through each one. The salespeople are properly uh, compensated. The dealership's making enough money. And this isn't about making dealers rich. Now, some dealers will get rich in the process. Some will get richer. Uh, and that's totally okay. I'm not opposed to that. In fact, I, 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 like, I, I like that model. The reality is what it does is it allows the dealers to take care of the customer. So if a dealer is overall profitable and a customer has an issue, the dealer's not going to nickel and dime and frustrate the customer. They're going to go ahead and fix that issue because for them, the image of taking care of customers is, is very valuable. Net, net, the customer's benefit. Now, I'm glad. I'm, go ahead, Valerie. I won't hog all this time. <laughs> okay, thank you, Erwin. Good to see you again. Hey, Valerie. Um, I 
So I guess I just uh, have to admit uh, when Genesis launched, I was skeptical, uh, one of those. Uh, I just wasn't sure there was a market um, for you, for Genesis. Um, so I, I guess after all this discussion, what do you think uh, Genesis got right? How did you, how were, was Genesis able to succeed in such a crowded uh, market? Yeah, uh, that, that, that's a great question. Good to see you again. And I'd love to chat about the, the, the whole Latino market as well, because that was uh, very important to us. But I think there are a few things that I would say that Genesis got really right. One is the brand focused on delivering the right product. Whether the dealer network was right or the volume or even the the we launched with cars first sedans and then suvs there's never been any dispute about the quality of the product about the ride the handling the steering of the product the way it sounds the the sense of elegance uh of the product and that continues to sustain uh through the day people still turn heads and, and give compliments so the product was right so at the end of the day you have to sell something good something that people will appreciate. They'll love looking at, they'll love driving, they'll be proud to own. That's the first thing uh, that uh, Genesis got right. Second is the brand image itself. We spent a lot of time, even before cars were brought to market, talking about what we want the brand to be. And at the time, uh, Genesis honed in on three words. We said we wanted the brand to be audacious, taking on big challenging challenges that others maybe would not take on. They were, we were gonna be progressive. So at the leading edge of technology, the leading edge of everything that we do and distinctly Korean, which I interpret as being authentic. It's a Korean company. Let's not pretend like we're German or we're Japanese or American company. Let's bring who we are to the table. And I think for all of us, that's very important, especially for, for the listening audience here, that you're authentic to yourself. So I think those are two things that the brand brought to the table really, really well. We represented ourselves well, and then we went out and again, being bold and audacious, took on some incredible brand building initiatives. Who would have thought when we sat down at the table with the PGA and uh, the folks at Riviera Country Club and the Tiger Woods Foundation and inked the deal for the Genesis Invitational at the time, it was, it was a very, big bite to take uh, out of uh, a marketing budget as you will. And the reality is uh, in the short term, that wouldn't pay back. But Genesis is all over the world now because it's one of the premier uh, golf tournaments and people uh, uh, got to know what Genesis is and they love it and then they go shop for Genesis. So we did things like that. That's one example. There are many more that we reveal products at, at the auto shows were really big bang. Uh, built a, a brand experience house in New York. So we took on some some initiatives to help build a brand and awareness that maybe others wouldn't because in the short term, you can't really justify the expense. But again, it's a long-term play and it was very successful. Aaron, have you always owned Genesis since you left the brand? Yes, I have. Um, and, and, and again, that's not because I feel like I get it's something special I've driven, as you well know, many other brands, and it really is the best driving car, the best handling car, the feel. I get I get compliments. My wife gets compliments uh, on hers. 
And if I had a better experience or a better brand, I, I, I most certainly uh, will buy it. Uh, it. It just happens to be what I think is best. And, and by the way, I wanted to just touch on, on something else, Valerie, uh, to finish up on Valerie's question. We were very authentic about the way we brought the brand to market. We were very targeted. We intentionally wanted to reach women, women owners, for example. So we were very strategic about getting into the markets. We wanted to reach minorities, especially black and Latino. And we were very intentional about that, about getting in circles in the right circles so we can reach the right people. We weren't shy about sponsoring uh, events in the LGBTQ uh, plus community because that's a that's a, a market that we wanted them to know, hey, we see you, right? We know what it feels like to not be seen. And we know that you know what it feels like to not be seen, but we all appreciate being seen. And we were very authentic with the way we came to market with individuals and their unique needs. And I happen to, I don't think we had data that showed we overpenetrated with women, we overpenetrated with Latinos, we overpenetrated with black, uh, we did extremely well. So it works if you pay attention to people and, and you allow them to see themselves in you, you build a relationship that's super powerful. So Valerie, that's another thing that I would say uh, we, we got right. That's one thing I love about Genesis. I've been to several of you guys' events and it's always really diverse and it's about fashion and lifestyle. I love it. It's, it's really, really awesome and very elegant. So, And that's not a mistake. That was very intentional. Yeah. Genesis has become my favorite luxury brand and I say it all the time. But let's talk about the customer service experience. I know people at the Genesis dealership that you that you take your cars to know you and know your history. Talk a little bit about how you're treated and, and what's the customer service experience when you have to take a car in or they come out and pick up the car for repair. What's what's the process now? For service yeah so the process still remains the same and that is actually when you go back this is one of those audacious ideas we said hey there's some dealers that will do what we call valet service they'll come pick up your car service it and bring you another car leave a loaner why don't we make that all a part of the value the customer pays for upfront and give the customer that for every customer for every dealer in america and in some cases, I will tell you, it made sense. In some cases, it was a really rough proposition because there are owners who live 200 miles away, 150 miles away from the dealership. Quite frankly, we, we, we had to pay uh, the dealer a substantial amount of money to get them to give that customer that experience. But that goes back to the reality that there are some people who love going to dealerships to test drive cars. I am yet to find somebody who loves going to a dealership to get their car serviced. Uh, and, and so, you know, the showroom, as nice as it is, uh, my motto was the best showroom in the world is your living room. So why don't we give you the opportunity to stay in your living room, go to work, go to your girlfriend's house, go to the beach. We can pick up your car, service it, bring it back and get it taken care of for you. So that was very, very powerful for uh, the customers. And it still continues to be what we do today. Any final questions? Do you see that <clears throat> that level of customer service extending out as people start doing online shopping for their vehicles through Amazon or any other vendor? Because that to me, would, because we live in a society where people are used to having things literally delivered to their door, whether it's food, medicine, whatever. 
<clears throat> do you see that kind of customer experience being extended out for online sales for say non-luxury brands? I think we'll get there. I think we have to get there. When you think about it, we go online and you can order almost anything and have it delivered to have it delivered to your door. Uh, you can have things picked up at your door uh, for shipping. I, I just feel like as a people, we have evolved to the point where that is the expectation. Uh, and the sooner brands and companies can get there, uh, the better for everybody. Thanks. Do, do I have time for one quick follow-up? Yes, go ahead, Dave. Now, Erwin, your reference to the PGA tournament and uh, the Genesis Invitational. I'm curious, did anyone ever tell Tiger Woods that that was not an off-road vehicle? And uh, and how fast was he going? Uh, I, I, I won't speak to how fast he was going. Uh, the vehicle is quite capable uh, off-road. Unfortunately, Tiger had... Uh, a, a very bad uh, uh, accident that really could have been a lot more uh, disastrous to him as an individual, to his family. So I'm very uh, uh, cognizant of that. And I've had the pleasure of actually building a personal relationship uh, with him over the years. And so for me, that's something that's, that's, uh, that, that's very sensitive. However, the, the meat here is the car and driver lost control, ended up off of the road. It's a very, very windy road. It was quite slippery. It, the, 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 the road had been wet at the time. But again, this is an area where we were super proud because the amount of effort that was put into engineering safety into that vehicle, having the right crumple zones, having a, a, a rigid uh, 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 cabin where the customer would be protected I'm just really glad that he was driving a Genesis at the time. And oh, by the way, the brand got a huge lift uh, out of that because I think other people uh, saw that as well. So it just goes to show when you put your heart and soul into taking care of the customers, even though at that point in time, you may not be able to justify the expense if you take a long-term road. And I was very grateful that we uh, had a parent company uh, with very deep pockets that could make a long-term uh, investment uh, in the brand. And so as it turns out, something that uh, was a very disastrous experience for, for Tiger ended up being uh, uh, very good, I think, for the brand. Well, and believe me, I wasn't trying to make light of his injuries. Just the fact that from a product placement standpoint, there are better places to see a GV80, I think, than off-road upside down. But that said, uh, and just anecdotally, with that involvement in that tournament, does Korea's enthusiasm for the sport itself, did that make that an easier sell to the marketing or by the marketing people to the uh, corporate parent itself? I, that's an interesting question for which I don't have an answer. Uh, I don't know, but I tell you, it wasn't a hard sell. It wasn't a hard sell because of the natural fit between the sport of golf a premium uh, uh, tournament in the PGA and what we were trying to accomplish and in fact did accomplish with the Genesis brand. It seemed like a better fit than football or baseball or basketball or swimming or anything else. It was natural. And oh, by the way, the clientele, generally speaking, not across the board, but generally speaking, the golf clientele tend to be higher net worth uh, 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 people. And so that was a better fit uh, for the brand. So it wasn't 
it was the difficult sell, and I don't know to what extent the affinity that uh, the Korean population has for golf, which is substantial, uh, played a role in this. But uh, it was a big bet. It, it really was a, a big, bold, uh, audacious bet, and it has paid off tremendously. Well, good. Well, thank you. You know, Erwin, I still find it interesting that in, here we are in 2024, and we still have manufacturers and dealers debating whether consumers will be happy buying cars online. Um, I don't know whether you know my story. We, this business started back in the mid-90s, and we put the first dealer group on the Internet with searchable inventory working with credit union members who purchased cars and we did over 20,000 sales. So I, I just find it crazy that that wouldn't be a part of your, your mindset. If you know, that's what the customer wants. And, and in the United States, you can only buy a new car through a franchise dealer. So you're never cutting the dealer out of the buying process itself. So I, I still find it interesting that in 2024 weeks, we're, we're having that discussion and the discussion should be, how do we satisfy the customer, period? You know, people talk about social media. Oh, you should, you should be every place the customer is. And everybody agrees to that. But when it comes to buying cars, there's a debate. It's, well, well, the customer's online. Do we really want to be there to help them buy an automobile? Yeah, and I'm sure I will have some dealer friends who will listen to this and will take issue uh, with, with my, uh, my, my comment here. But the entire dealer structure, the way it works today, is super antiquated. I don't believe it's it's sustainable as it is today. That's not to say that dealers themselves uh, are antiquated. The, the model itself is antiquated. They're concerned that they will lose control and that somehow we'll go to a direct-to-consumer uh, model, which some brands have. You said that every... Uh, uh, in every case, you still have to go through dealers. That's not the case. We know that Tesla, for example, you don't. They'll sell it directly. We know a lot of the, the, the newer electric car companies, Lucid, uh, for example, you go to the direct to the, the, the manufacturer, direct to customer. So there is that fear that's there. But Roosevelt, you and I both go back a long time in this business, and I, I, I'm sure others do as well. But I actually remember the days back in the early 90s trying to convince dealers to or to even get on the internet for any reason I, I i remember dealers fussing saying why would i want to do that that's just an electronic phone book nobody's going to use it and so what happens is the dealers are a little bit behind the times as far as technology and reaching out to the customers and being where they need to be but they do come along because every dealer is on the internet right now Remember when they used to have a department called the Internet Department and there were four or five people back there calling folks? That was the Internet Department. That's the way the business ran. And we spend a lot of time trying to convince the dealers that embracing the Internet and embracing reaching out to customers online was powerful. They wanted to advertise on radio. They wanted to advertise on a newspaper. They either wanted to get on TV. And as you know, that's a lot less targeted and going through the internet. You're absolutely right. That's where the customers are uh, and the customers are not going back. So the sooner our dealers can get to the customers where they are, the more successful they'll be. Once again, final questions. I'm just enjoying the conversation. Uh, <laughs> thank you for giving us your time. 
Yeah, me too. Erwin, it was a pleasure seeing you. I don't know whether you are in touch with Manfred or not, but tell him I said hi. I am. And for Manfred those who I may have, not, go ahead. Manfred and I have remained uh, in touch. He's doing some fabulous things uh, and uh, we'll probably remain in touch for the rest of our lives. It was quite an experience uh, bringing a brand like this to life uh, together uh, with someone and watching it succeed. So we're very proud and we stay in touch with the, with the current uh, leadership at Genesis as well. You know, I find it interesting that people tend to forget uh, that you guys were at the top when the brand started. So, you know, that's something again that can't be taken away from us and it's not mentioned that often. But I applaud you for what you did. The product was great. It was a pleasure meeting both of you at the time. And let's keep in touch since I know where you are now. Absolutely. And anytime I can be of service to you or, or any of your colleagues, you know how to find me. Great. I want to thank you for watching the live presentation of Auto Network Reports. This is our award-winning podcast, as Dave said, our award-winning podcast. I want to thank those who are watching the on-demand. And as always, please buckle up. Don't drink and drive. Buckle up. Don't text and drive. See you next time. Thank you. Thank you, Erwin. Appreciate it. Thank you. Thank you.